following on from the heady heights of record deal flow in 2021, 2022 has brought a dose of reality to the European private equity industry. With a recession expected to bite next year and debt getting harder to come by, are we going to see a return to a more normal market? And will this crisis lead to a shakeout in fundraising and deal-making to rival the pandemic and the GFC? As the market takes stock as a challenging year closes, many are wondering what lies ahead in 2023. We'll be answering some of these questions, looking at sector trends, fundraising, and how Unquote Emerger Market have been covering all of this in today's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to the latest episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. My name's Harriet Matthews. I'm Funds Editor at Merger Market and Unquote, and I'll be your host for today. According to preliminary figures from Unquote Data, European sponsors have completed more than €218 billion Euros worth of buyouts in 22 to date. Compared with 2021, both aggregate value and volume are down by just under a third. But placing this in context, this year holds up quite well versus recent pre-COVID years, and aggregate value for this year is already 15% up on that recorded in 2020. Looking at fundraising for private equity buyout strategies, we've seen €157 billion Euros raised over 67 first and final closes to date in 2022. That's almost a quarter down versus 2021 in terms of the amount raised, and it's 43% down in terms of the volume of closes. What clearly remains unknown is how activity will look in 2023. To help shed some light on this, we're going to hear from some of my esteemed private equity reporting colleagues today who have been covering the market throughout the year. To kick things off, I'm pleased to welcome Joao Grando, Senior Private Equity Editor at Ion Analytics and Editor of Unquote. Joao, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you, Harriet. It's my pleasure to finally speak to you here at the Unquote podcast. Great. So what are a few things that you'd like to highlight from this year? It's been a busy one, of course, in, in many ways. Well, you're right. Um, it's been a very busy year. But yes, what I wanted to say first is that this has been also a very special year for Unquote, and I'll explain why. Um, during this year, we have conducted the merger of the Unquote and the merger market private equity teams. To explain for those that might not be aware, Unquote and Merger Market are part of the ION Group. Within ION, we have the ION Analytics Division, which is also the home for other fantastic publications such as Dialogic, Deadwire, Information, to name just a few. So back in February, we created one big team that covers PE for both Unquote and Merger Market. It's the Private Active Hub, as we like to call it. Um, what this means in practice? Well, now we have a much broader overview of the industry and can provide to our subscribers what my boss, John West, likes to call nose-to-tail coverage of the life of a private equity investment. So, Unquote brings to the table its expertise in everything that is PE-related, but with a very strong focus on fundraising, producing intelligence about capital formation, and also with the coverage of PE exits, informing our readers about the performance of GPs and their individual funds. Now, Merger Market adds a larger pool of journalists based across Europe that we can tap to enhance our coverage. 
Also, it brings insights about a wider range of PEs and their deployment plans and unmatched coverage of auction processes, including those resulting in PE exits and entries. So, so I, th I think you can see why I'm so excited about this and why I think this was a very great year for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the, the rest of our, our team, um, other private equity reporters uh, coming on here will probably attest to the fact that it's a very exciting time to be a part of not only developing our private equity coverage, but actually covering this market. It's, it's you know, maybe never been so important to kind of have the, the kind of reporting um, that we do to sort of toot our own horn a little bit. Um, and what can we expect from next year as well? Well, more of this great content that we've been producing and some other things that I can't unfortunately tell our listeners uh, right now. Mm -hmm. But um, speaking more broadly about the market, I think the next 12 months are going to be some of the most interesting since the P asset class gained the status that it currently has. Uh, as you know, uh, in October, we had our British Private Equity Awards and you were there with me during the, the gala dinner and also during the judging sessions to choose the winners. And you saw the high number and high quality of entries that we received from all types of players in the industry. Those guys have been doing an amazing work, that is true. But this also comes in the context of incredible tailwinds that the industry has had in the last few years. However, things are already very, very different. For instance, PEs can no longer count on the cheap financing of the last few years. Inflation is starting to, 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 inflation is starting to bite portfolio companies' performance. Businesses are worried about growth. So this is not to say, of course, that it's all doom and gloom for the next years. Ultimately, the good assets will continue to trade at high valuations, and there's also still plenty of money out there waiting to find its home. But I think that going forward, we'll see GPs and other players dedicating much more time to portfolio development, to develop new value creation initiatives, and even to explore the opportunities of what has been a very uh, busy and brisk secondaries market this year. And uh, most importantly, I should mention, we should not forget ESG and impact investing. I believe this should be an opportunity for private equity to be a force for change and lead businesses and why not wider industries to grow and innovate following ESG principles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Definitely an, an underlying trend that is, is set to continue, I think. And, you know, just one year has made a huge difference on so many of those uh, kind of those those market aspects that you have highlighted, and we'll be sure to keep on bringing you uh, news and analysis of uh, of the whole private equity industry across Europe, um, at unquote and merger market. So, thank you, Joao, for for joining me and for for that summary. Um, great to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Harry, and I can't wait to hear of, of uh, what uh, our colleagues uh, have to say about this year and next as well. Thank you. Now, regular listeners to the podcast will recognize uh, our next contributor from our episode on GP-led secondaries. And I'm pleased to welcome once again, uh, my colleague, Rachel Lewis, private equity reporter at Merger Market and Unquote to the podcast. Thank you, Harriet. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Thank you for, for coming back on again to talk about you know what we've been uh, seeing this year and what we can expect next year. 
I know you've been looking into fundraising trends recently. Can you tell me a bit about how that has looked this year, Rachel? Yeah, absolutely. And you spoke about the environment a little bit in your intro. And, and you know, yes, sponsors have raised a good 43% less this year than last. And, you know, it's an incredible difficult time for private equity who are out fundraising. And A, this is shown in the numbers, but funds are actually emitted themselves. Um, Nordic Capital, when it closed its recent 11th fund at 9 billion euros, it said, and I quote, that it raised it in some of the most challenging fundraising conditions in private equity history, which is um, quite an astonishing claim. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've had a couple of years where, you know, fundraising, as we've said before, I think is never easy, but it's certainly been, you know, quite a short cycle. Um, People have had very short fundraisers. What's driving the challenging environment now, would you say? So that's a really interesting question. So LPs, although they say that they want to deploy money into private equity more, they see it, you know, as a very sound asset class. Many of them are burdened by a capital crunch from the denominator effect. Um, And we've also seen a lot of managers returning even faster to market for for various different strategies, which is altogether kind of creating a a little bit of a bottleneck. we are, however, expecting many of the large funds to close in Q1, which will be in a really interesting time when the new allocations become available. Um, but that is also likely to further the further hinder the outlook for small and emerging managers. Yeah, good point. It's kind of pushing the problem we saw at the start of 2022 with so many managers back and LPs being so constrained with re-ups. It's, it's pushing it forward. And it sounds like from the people I've been speaking to, that will take a little bit of time to, to work itself out uh, within the market. I think um, one interesting point on this as well is that for many funds that do close in Q1, um, I heard a really interesting quote is, flat is the new up because LPs are committing smaller tickets than they used to. And well, definitely not kind of committing larger tickets. So I, I don't think we'll see, you know, massive increases on, on predecessor funds. I think there will be a general effect that funds will be flat in size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, as you say, we'll see some uh, some flatter targets, some some missed targets potentially as well, depending on sort of what's been communicated to the market and LPs. And obviously, we'll be sure to be keeping track of, of all of that with our coverage next year. But as you said, Rachel, there's still a lot of uh, LP appetite. People view private equity as a good, solid asset class, especially, you know, versus the volatility in the public markets. It's a good long-term place to put their capital. So where are LPs looking to deploy at the moment, would you say, or into next year at any rate? Yeah, good question. There there are some bright spots that has come with a kind of general rebasing of risk appetite. Um, LPs, you know, this is quite clear, say that they like established managers, which have a number of vintages. So we expect those to do well, but also sector specialization. Um, So healthcare funds in particular are still on track for a record year. So that's anything, you know, which invests in in biotech, which can form more VC type funds, but also buyout funds, which tend to focus on more EBITDA positive businesses. Those have done particularly well this year. Um, But then outside of that, um, LPs tell me that they like digital infrastructure and renewable energies, um, also with kind of a little bit of an appetite for kind of ESG and climate climate focused funds, which kind of because they're now kind of have agendas of their own in terms of how they want to to deploy deploy their own capital. Um, 
Otherwise, you know, outside of buyout funds, we've got private credit, a lot of LPs looking to deploy more capital there, and then um, distressed and secondaries funds as well are kind of where we expect to see a bulk of activity over the next year. Mm, yeah, very interesting. We'll be sure to, to keep track of, of that as well. Anything else you're, you're seeing in the market that you think it's worth mentioning before we, we head off? Yeah, I think there's one interesting note to leave this on, um, which is that LPs increasingly say that they want co-investment opportunities going forward with valuations down and a lot of distressed assets expected to come to the pipeline. Um, we think that the next few years will be very good vintages, or at least that's what the, the funds tell us. And one way that LPs want to build access and exposure to those vintages is through co-investments. Um, so really, kind of that's what funds need to be doing now to get those commitments over the line. Interesting. Yeah, great way for, for GPs and LPs to build relationships and for LPs to, to get into that you know, potential portfolio, uh, typically with, with no fees as well. So yeah, good point. Um, good one to end on. Uh, thanks very much, Rachel, for taking the time to speak to us. Thanks. It's good to be here, as always. Now, I'm pleased to welcome my colleague Wahida Ahmed, private equity reporter at Merger Market and Unquote to the podcast. Wahida, welcome. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me, Harriet. No problem at all. Now, obviously, you cover the business services sector for Unquote and Merger Market. And uh, I know you've been looking into the kind of private equity related uh, trends and activity in that sector over the past year or so. Um, is there anything you wanted to highlight in terms of what you've seen going on uh, in that sector in 2022? Sure. I've been seeing trends around supply chain consolidation, namely in logistics services and digitalization. We are seeing increasing private equity demand in this space, which will continue in Q1. Logistics services have moved away from low cost and high competition and are now deemed a crucial part of the supply chain. People will pay the right rate to secure contracts as customers want the most reliable, high-tech green operator. Sponsors will want these companies as they're an integral part of the supply chain. It's a reliable and stable sector. Some businesses have struggled following Brexit and the pandemic. The sector was hit by labour shortages, wage inflation, the war in Ukraine and Brexit. And so many businesses, including those backed by PE funds, are keen to avoid issues arising in the supply chain. Mm, interesting. So there'll be private equity investment in those businesses and it sounds like it will benefit a lot of other businesses as well. And as you say, it touches on a lot of uh, the macro trends that are the, at the forefront of, uh, of our minds while we're reporting and at the forefront of many sponsors' minds as well. So can you tell me about how all of this will likely affect private equity investment in this sector? Uh, what kind of businesses will sponsors be looking for? Investments in the space are likely to be directed towards solutions to improve demand planning to overcome issues such as overstocking and replenishment. A shift towards climate smart supply chains and green logistics is also generating demand for this type of technology. Supply chain strengthening by digitizing operations or consolidating will also drive investments in this space. Also, the transportation sector is fragmented, so there is buy and build opportunities there. Mm, interesting. And uh, what has activity looked like in the sector recently? Can you tell us a bit about the data that we've got on that? Sure. Merger market data shows over the last five years, the freight and transport services sector saw a total of 688 deals with a disclosed deal value of 280 billion euros. 
Overall, we saw a decrease in the number of deals in 2020 in this space of around 18% compared to the year prior as a result of the peak COVID period, which hit the sector hard. However, in 2021, we saw a boost in the sector by 67% in deal volume compared to 2020 and an increase of 36% in 2019. This could be a result of stalled processes during the height of the pandemic. In 2021, we saw a total of 180 deals with an aggregate disclosed deal value of 65 billion euros in the freight and transport services space versus 135 deals this year to date, with a total disclosed deal value of 81 billion euros. This represents a 25% increase in deal value, and we are likely going to see more deals in this space, which will spill over into the first quarter, given that deal value has almost caught up with last year's figures. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it sounds like volume is a little bit down with a little bit more of the year left to go, which kind of lines up with what we're seeing in overall M&A, you know, buyouts, M&A, I should specify in the kind of private equity space. Um, Yeah, really interesting. And how is the pipeline for these deals shaping up for 2023? Can you tell me about any recent deals in the sector as well? The sector has been very active and I expect this to continue into the first quarter. Deal volume has been steadily increasing since 2020. Recent deals in the area include Transforian, a cloud-based logistics platform which is being sold by HG. This is an ongoing process at the time of this recording. Merger Market reported that Nordic Capital has submitted a final bid. EQT, Advent International and KKR are among funds which showed interest in the business. Envirotainer, a Swedish temperature-controlled cargo container company, was sold to EQT and Mubadala for 2.8 billion euros following a sale process that saw competition from sponsors such as KKR and Antin. Interesting. And I'm sure um, you and our colleagues at Merger Market will be keeping us up to date on uh, those processes and similar ones. Thanks very much, Wahida, for taking the time to speak to me. It's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks again for having me. Right, I'm now delighted to welcome Iro Patsakulaki, our consumer reporter at Unquote and Merger Market. Iro, welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Harriet. Yes, it's great to, to join. Thank you very much. Now, obviously, you, you cover the consumer sector. Um, it's been a very interesting one this year. Can you tell me a bit about some of the kind of trends and developments you've been seeing over the course of 2022? Yeah, uh, sure. Actually, yeah, I believe that there hasn't been a major shift um, in the sector since the beginning of the year. Um, overall, deal volume remains low and uh, we're amid high inflation. So valuations in the current macro environment remain a challenge. And um, most of the sources we're, we're speaking to and that are active in the sector, uh, they all admit that um, things have been really quiet since the, the summer. And uh, most of them expect the situation to remain the same. Um, at least uh, till we reach uh, peak inflation, uh, which most people expect it will be sometime uh, next year, hopefully. Um, now, in the venture space and the growth capital space, uh, things are similar. 
Uh, the only difference there, I think, is that uh, because investors are um, are looking at companies that have, with a longer horizon, um, they're not as worried for these uh, these trends. A major difference is that uh, as there's very little funding available for consumer companies in later stage uh, rounds, uh, these later stage investors are now trickling down to earlier stages. And this has uh, this is seen mostly in segments that were on hold during COVID and uh, are now facing headwinds. Interesting. Can you give any any examples of those sectors um, that are kind of being affected there? Sure. So we've seen um, that there are some winners in in this situation. Uh, for example, the lifestyle companies, and especially those uh, that are active, that they are producing um, outdoor activity equipment and overall companies that are uh, promoting an active outdoor lifestyle, they're seeing a quite good momentum uh, at the moment. There are quite a few uh, processes is um, underway or expected for next year. Um, and then uh, food ingredients too have uh, have seen some good uh, deals. Uh, but, but yeah, people are quite bullish in that segment, the outdoor lifestyle activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I guess a lot of people maybe uh, got into that during COVID and interesting that the trend is, is persisting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's how it actually um, started. It started with COVID and people believe that it will remain for quite some time. And how's all of this playing out in the data on consumer buyouts for 2022? Um, and is it revealing anything at all about what we'll see in 2023? Yeah, looking at the unquote data, things were uh, quite interesting. So both exits, including the secondary buyouts and trade sales, uh, as well as uh, buyouts, um, they all declined in 2022 um, compared to 2021. And um, this year in particular, uh, trade sales dropped a lot uh, to less than half of last year's total. And um, some more data points on buyouts. So buyouts in the year to date are around 30% down versus the same period in 2021. And uh, the consumer buyouts uh, last year accounted for 28% of last year's total buyouts, uh, which is minus 3.6% compared to the same period um, this year. Um, another interesting maybe data point could be that um, this year, in terms of value, that consumer buyouts have accounted for 21% of the total aggregate buyout value compared to 25% that was last year. Uh, however, it's good to note that the value of buyout deals across all sectors saw a 21% decrease in total between last year and this year. Uh, yeah, so we've seen quite a drop. But yeah, as I mentioned, we have some winning segments in the consumer sector. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you were sort of alluding to the fact that it's been kind of, there's quite a lot of concern from the sources you're you're speaking to, but good to know that there's some bright points uh, and some winners amongst all of that. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And maybe I don't know if that would be interesting for our listeners that in terms of uh, value food retailers and wholesalers were the winners last year with uh, 11 billion uh, in deal value. And this year, it seems like uh, the soft drinks segment saw the highest aggregate value as a portion of the sector overall, with about 6 billion in deal value. Mm, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. And obviously, there, there's still concern about uh, about inflation, about consumer buying power and about the pricing power of those companies. So uh, we'll be sure um, to, or rather Eero in particular, will be sure to keep you all up to date with her reporting on the sector and on those trends. So thanks very much, Eero, for taking the time to speak to me. No, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm now delighted to welcome my colleague Min Ho, Senior Private Equity Reporter at Merger Market and Unquote to the podcast. Min, thanks very much for being here. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. Now, I'm keen to hear from you, first of all, what has stood out to you about 2022 and what you've been looking at. Well, I think uh, we're entering a very different market environment uh, where for the next couple of years, if we're not in a recession, at least for now, we're teetering on the edge. And um, that's not just the UK, that's across Europe. The credit market has dried up and it's super hard for corporates to access funding either for liquidity issues or to support M&A from traditional sources, uh, credit or debt market. So I'm expecting distress funds are going to be incredibly busy. So hopefully lots of opportunities for them, as opposed to the last five years where distress funds have been spending more of the time to carve out opportunities. Um, and perhaps this time around, opportunities will be landing on their desk and they'll be having to figure out which ones they can resource and which ones they can't. Mm, interesting. So a very, a very big shift there then. Where do you think these uh, distressed, focused uh, sponsors will be finding their opportunities? What sectors will be most affected or particularly promising for them? It's difficult to say. Um, during the pandemic, there were clear winners and losers. Um, clear winners um, perhaps being uh, the kind of online businesses, whereas now the issue is much more widespread. So uh, in terms of inflation, so therefore, uh, there won't be as clear cut of winners and losers. So companies, for example, generally now are having to face liquidity issues, unforeseen costs, energy cons- uh, costs, consumers not able to pay as much as before. Um, basically, all sorts of issues related to inflation and uh, the um, perhaps uh, uncertain economic uh, future. So this obviously causes um, a lot of liquidity issues with uh, businesses perhaps becoming a bit over leveraged um, while having um, um, having uh, less earnings. Um, so what's the course of actions that PEs can take? Um, equity injection, but do you want to throw money at bad situations if they've already especially realized their returns via dividends, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, good, good question, and one that a lot of firms are going to have to consider if they're exposed to particularly some of those problems, as you say, to do with discretionary spending, um, energy, and inflation, etc. 
Now, I know that people were expecting a kind of wave of distress deals or turnarounds during the pandemic that obviously didn't materialize. Um, is it really here now, would you say? Are there any recent examples of, of deals that have potentially, you know, generated opportunities or interest for PE? Yeah, I think uh, at least in the UK, it seems like uh, there has been quite a few um, uh, significant companies that have um, got are going through uh, difficult situations. Um, I guess the the um, the most obvious one is uh, perhaps Made.com. Um, um, dur- during the pandemic, um, uh, they bought in a lot of stock um, instead of uh, relying on just in time. And now they are facing um, a lot of uh, liquidity issues, uh, given that they're um, their money is tied into the capital is t- tied into to the stock. Um, the management was uh, seeking financing um, uh, at one point, uh, which didn't um, uh, materialize. Right, interesting. Yes, and I know there's been uh, reporting on that on uh, on merger market. Um, what's interesting about Made.com as well, I guess, is that it was formerly um, VC backed prior to its IPO in 2021. So, looking at unquote data, we can see the previous backers included Eight Roads Ventures, Level Twenty, Pro Founders Capital, and Partech. And there was obviously quite a lot of IPO appetite for consumer businesses in the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, as you say, it will be interesting to see how some of these are fare and, and whether that does generate any interesting opportunities for distressed funds. Indeed. Uh, all eyes on the likes of uh, Aurelius, uh, Alteri, Apollo, Endless, um, et cetera, I think, for the coming uh, year or so. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, finding opportunities in, in these kind of situations and in, uh, in crises is, is what a lot of them do best. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we will wrap up there. Thank you so much, Min, for taking the time to speak to me. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Indeed, it's been a pleasure. A huge thank you once again to our private equity reporting team for taking the time to speak to me and to share their insights on the podcast. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you again in the next episode.